0: and click on the building fund tab. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks and God bless. Okay, we are in day eight. Day eight, if you don't know, if you weren't here last week, we're going through a a devotional together. It's the 40-Day Prayer Challenge. It's a book by Mark Batterson. I don't know if you have that book on there. Oh, he's not there. Um, There's a a book that we're going through by Mark Batterson. It's the 40-Day Challenge. It's a prayer challenge. And every day, he has a little devotion. That's what we've been going through in the mornings. And, And today is day eight. And it's talking about speak to the earth. And it's really interesting because he starts off the devotion talking about George Washington Carver, who's one of the most brilliant scientific minds just in the 20th century. And Carver introduced this idea of having the crops rest. It's actually a biblical idea, but the cotton growers were growing cotton constantly, but then they were depleting the soil of what it needed to grow cotton. So he said, well, every so often you need to grow something else, grow peanuts, and that way it will revive the soil so that you can grow cotton again. And so they started growing peanuts, but they had this surplus of peanuts that were just rotting because they didn't know what to do with all these peanuts. And so George Washington Carver would get up every morning at 4 a.m. And he would go for a walk and he would have a talk with God. And he wanted to know, God, what am I going to do about this situation? He, wants, he asked God, reveal to me, Lord, what your will is and the nature of these things. And at first he asked, Lord, I want you to reveal to me just the nature of the universe, I want you to explain to me what is going on and what is taking place. And he came upon this scripture, Job chapter 12, verses 7 through 8. Job's speaking and he says, But ask the animals, and they will teach you. Or the birds in the sky, and they will tell you. Or speak to the earth, and it will teach you. Or let the fish in the sea inform you. And so Carver took that promise at face value and he literally asked God to reveal the mystery of nature to him. God, reveal to me how you're going to speak to me through nature. And at first he prayed and he would get up at 4 a.m. and he goes, God, reveal to me the universe and what the universe is about. And God says, that's a little too much for you. We need to scale it down a little bit. He goes, OK, God, well, reveal the, the purpose of the earth to me. And God says, you know, it's still a little bit too much for you. You need to scale it down. He says, OK, God, well, reveal to me the plants and, and what's happening just in the, that plant world and what's happening Because that's still too much for your mind to handle. He says, well, God, what about a peanut? God says, okay, I'll give you the mystery of the peanut. And so he was encouraged from this scripture in his time with prayer to go and explore the mystery of the peanut to see what it's about. And he says, I'll grant you the mystery of the peanut He felt like the Lord was telling me he was recounting what he said. Take it inside your laboratory and separate it into waters, fats, oils, gums, resins, sugars, starches. I didn't know peanut had all that in it. And amino acids. Then recombine these under my three laws of compatibility, temperature, and pressure. Then you will know why I made the peanut. And so here is this Surplus of peanuts rotting away. Here are farmers not making any money because they've got crops that they can't use, but they need to let the soil rest. So here's the predicament they're in. And so then on January 20th, 1921, George Washington Carver testified before the House and Ways and Means Committee on behalf of the United Peanut Association of America. The chairman, Joseph Fordney of Michigan, told him he had 10 minutes. You've got 10 minutes to speak to us. An hour and 45 minutes later, the committee told Carver he could come back anytime whenever he wanted and take as much time as he needed. In that time, Carver mesmerized the committee by demonstrating the myriad of ingenious things and uses for the peanut. Everything from glue to shaving cream, to soap, to insecticide, cosmetics, wood stains, fertilizer, linoleum, Worcestershire sauce. All from the peanut. Something that they thought was useless and invaluable now became a possibility. All because a man got up at four in the morning, talked to God, And listen to the scriptures that said, let the earth speak to you. Next time you put on your makeup or you shave, next time you stain the deck or fertilize the yard, or next time you eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, remember that a lot of those things are because someone took time to listen. Got up early to let God speak to them and so then i started thinking and it seemed worth noting all the times that we are encouraged through in scripture to listen to the creation of god you know this this passage in job let the earth speak or speak to the earth and then listen to what it says let them inform you to have a conversation with the creation. And and I know some people think, oh, this is a little new agey, but it's actually something we find throughout Scripture. I mean, one of the first things we see is in the beginning in Genesis 3, chapter 17, that God says, cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. So it's not starting off well, but why is the ground cursed? We see that the effects of, that we have, or in our relationship with God, actually affects everything. That the ground is cursed. Jeremiah twelve four it says, "How long will the land mourn and the grass ever of every field wither for the evil those for the evil of those who dwell in it? How how long will the land have to suffer because of the evil that's taking place?" And so we start to see that. Our actions actually affect the world around us. Now, is that a mystery with pollution and all the things that are happening today? The awareness of these things, whether it be global warning. I know some of you don't believe it, some of you don't. Hey, there's stuff happening we have to be aware of. Pollution that takes place, landfills, plastic that doesn't go away. See, our actions affect the world that we live in. And it seems like we, of all people, should be the ones who are most environmentally safe, you know, sensitive because we recognize this is God's creation. and We recognize from Scripture that what we do affects the earth. And so we see the grand, ground and the land affected by what we do. And, and Exodus and Leviticus, again, they were told to let the land rest every seven years. If they just continually grow things, grow things, grow things, it sucks up all the nutrients and it never gets replenished. And so God set up a design. Every seven years, you've got to let the land rest. And just like I rested on the seventh day to help you recognize you're not here for work. You have to rest and trust me that you will have enough. If you don't, you will actually have less. And so there's this interaction with creation itself. Psalm 24, 1, The earth and the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell in them. They belong to the Lord. Psalm 19, verses 1 through 4, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of His hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, They reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. And so God is speaking throughout the things that he has made. And we've experienced this. I know I have, and I'm sure you have. You've gone out somewhere and you've seen a beautiful scenery. You're at the ocean, the sun is setting and it's that time where the sun becomes a circle as it starts to disappear and it starts to blur into the beauty of the sunset and you're just moved and you think, this is gorgeous. I'm always amazed at people who come from other parts of the country and come live out here. They're amazed with the mountains. They're always, oh, look at those mountains. It's like, oh yeah, those are the mountains. We, we don't think of anything. Yeah, we can hike them. You can do whatever you want. They're just the mountains. We don't have mountains. Mountains are amazing if you don't have mountains. The ocean is amazing if you've never seen the ocean. forest, waterfalls, creation speaks. It says, this is gorgeous. This is beautiful. And just sitting next to a stream... It it does something visceral to you. It it, it soothes you. Why is that? Why am I moved by the things of creation? Then we start to see, well, those things that are created are created by the same one who created me. And we are very much connected. They were meant to speak to us. They were meant to have a voice in our life. They were meant to declare the glory of God. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. The invisible things are seen, being understood from what he has made so that people are without excuse. And so creation is speaking It's trying to teach us something. There are mysteries yet to be discovered, just like from the peanut. Things that are of value. I I just heard there's this new uh, formula. It's actually, I think, tomorrow's uh, devotion that someone made that's, uh, again, a peanut base that is able to supply the nutrients for people in third world countries who don't have a lot of food and it's got a long shelf life. It's able to give their body what it needs so that it doesn't start, you know, going against itself. And someone came from these basic things, Hey, peanuts and a few sugars. And it's able to supply the nutrients that children need and you can get it by the box load and keep it for months Without it spoiling, there are things that can be done if we would listen, if we would ask and speak to the earth and see what it has to say to us, if we would speak and see what creation has to do. But not only do we hear and see in creation truth about God, but we're told to consider the lessons that are being taught. Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 6, verse 26 through 29, was dressed like one of these. And so Jesus says, look at the birds. Look at the, the flowers. Do you see the beauty and care that God has put into these things? Don't you know that that is teaching you something about who God is in relationship to you? Yesterday, it was funny, at the wedding... I was talking with Randy and Brianna, and we were, we were sitting there talking, and the subject came up just about, you know, uh, this eternal security and predestination, you know, a light like so- subject for a wedding conversation, you know. So we're talking about this predestination and election, and one of the scriptures that always stands out to me is when Jesus says you know if your child comes up and asks for bread are you going to give them a stone if they ask for fish will you give them a serpent even that passage that we've mentioned if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your heavenly father give the holy spirit to those who ask And what that's doing is giving me insight into who God is based on what I know of myself. See, I don't know the mysteries of the universe. I didn't know that there was that much to know about a peanut. How can I understand the mind of God? I can't, but Jesus says, you know, if you are like this way, don't you think God is going to be even better. And what Jesus is showing us is that even in ourselves, and C.S. Lewis mentions this in Mere Christianity, that I can't know a lot about everything outside of me, but I can know a lot about that which is in me. Because that which is in me is actually created by the one who I'm trying to get to know. And sometimes the easiest way to get to know God is to see the things that he has put within us. And if you're a father and you love your children and you wouldn't do evil to them, do you think God is going to do anything different? And and so... Understanding who God is, it helps me to understand what a father is. It helps me to understand how when he talks about these things in relationship, how a mother hen gathers her chicks, he's giving me some ideas of what it is. And, And if God is a triune being and Jesus is the face of that being, then I know it's a benevolent universe because we see that displayed in Christ who says God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. Why? Because he cares and he is good. So we get insight on who God is through creation. In Acts chapter 14, Paul and Barnabas go, and they are thought to be these gods because they, God did a miracle through them. And it says, friends, as they're speaking to to them, as they want to elevate them into this place of worship. Why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the seas and everything in them. In the past, he let all the nations go their own way. Yet he has not left himself without testimony. What's testimony? All these things he's created. He's helping you to see who he is by what he has done. And that includes what he has done in you and in me. He has shown kindness by giving you the rain, the crops, the season. He provides you with plenty of food to fill your hearts with joy, he says. We know who God is because look what he does for you. In Romans 8:22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who has the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. You see, it's easy to hear what is being said if we're listening once you take the time to learn the language then it becomes meaningful it's so hard to learn a language when you're older because you stop looking for understanding 3 year old can understand any language they could learn japanese they could learn You know, how to speak English. And they can do them both at the same time. Why? Because they are curious and wanting to know. At a certain age, we don't want to know. I think I know enough. I know how to get up in the morning. I know how to make the coffee. I know how to turn the TV on. I'm good, you know. But when you want to learn, it's easy to learn. Because you're listening. You're trying, what does that word mean? What does that word mean? What is that? What are they talking about? And you start piecing things together because you're curious, because you're listening, because you're wanting to learn. You know, there, there's an interesting dynamic that's happened. I mean, the modern world that we live in, there's, there's been a real shift probably the last 400 years or so when we move from an agrarian culture to a really kind of an industrial one. You know, before this industrial revolution, before the invention of, you know, the sewing machine, the printing press, the automobile or the computer, things were done very similar for generations and generations for generations. I mean, for thousands and thousands of years, the fastest you could travel was by horse. And so it could be 5,000 years ago, or it could be a 1,000 years ago, the fastest you could travel was the animal that would carry you the fastest. Then all of a sudden, there's the invention of the steam engine, combustible engine, now you've got jet fuel. I mean, now, I don't know how fast you can go. You've got cars going 800 miles an hour. But things have changed. And, and with it, it's become a A, a shift. And how we think, because now instead of having to deal with nature and the things of creation around us, we we start developing our own things. And now to get light, it's a flip of the switch. You don't have to get the water to turn things, to to bring lights on. You don't have to go and get wax and make the candle and put the wick in it. And it's something that you press the button and lights come on. You know, it doesn't take much. You, a Click of the mouse. Think about that. 30 years ago, if you were to tell someone, oh, I've got to get a new mouse, what'd they have thought? What do you need a mouse for? Now it means something totally different because we're in this mentality. And it's interesting that at the same time that this revolution, this industrial revolution took place, that all of a sudden the idea of sudden conversion for the soul takes place. And I don't know that it's not incidental. You know, I can do this and get this. And we start thinking that that's the way the soul works. I say a prayer, I get saved. And all of a sudden, it's this kind of instantaneous response. You see, previously, it was a slow process. Jesus told a parable of the sower and the seeds. And even when we hear that parable, you know, the, the farmer plants the seed. And even if it's good soil, you think it just comes up? It takes a while for a seed. You guys done that experiment when you were kids, right? Put the avocado seed in the water with the toothpicks in it, and you wait for the little sprouts to come out. You have to plant the seed in the ground. You have to bury it deep in the ground, deep enough so animals can't get to it, birds can't get to it. And then you have to water it. It has to be in a place where it gets the proper amount of sun and shade. And then you just have to wait. Speak to the earth. Because some things you have to wait. And when it comes to things about the soul, it takes time. We might have epiphanies, we might have moments, lightning might strike, and all of a sudden you say, yeah, I'm not going to do that anymore. But the process of becoming a different person takes time. Or it might have a moment of beginning, but to see the fruit of that, it's going to happen over time. And I think that's where we have to, again, step into and listen In James chapter one, there's a beautiful passage. It says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save your soul. I love that the word planted in you. It's a seed. That's put in you. And it takes time. It has to be nourished. has to be watered. And over time, it starts to produce something in you. So what does all this have to do with prayer? Well, I think a lot of times we want God to work like our microwaves. right? 30 seconds, God. That's what I've got. God, I want you to do this. I want you to heal this person. I want you to provide this work. I want you to, you, you can fill in the blanks. God, I want this. And we've got this mentality, this industrial mentality. God, I want you to do this. And I'm giving you 30 seconds. If that it's interesting too they're finding out just with the brain and how the brain works with muscle memory if there's a a negative event that happens to you someone mistreats you uh you you get injured by something you have a bad experience with food um, something like that happens to you it stays in your mind for long term but if you see something beautiful it takes you at least 15 to 20 seconds of gazing and thinking about it for it to stay and leave an imprint in your long term. Think about that. That someone says something that hurts you and it's there. And the laugh of your grandchild, if you don't think about it for 15, 20 seconds, it has no effect on you. That's just wrong. This is beautiful. This deserves to have an effect on me. Why do I have to spend so much time? Speak to the earth. Listen to what's happening. If you don't invest the time and develop the muscle memory of prayer in our life, of seeking and spending time and devotion to God, it has no effect on you. But what would happen if you gazed into your child's eyes for that 15 to 20 seconds? That if you interacted and allowed it to start to shape you, if you looked at that sunset and you thought, man, my creator is painting something beautiful today, or you speak to the earth and you see the wonder of the things that are created and how God has just craftily made these things and are able to enjoy these things, and you allow them to actually influence you, and they stay in that long term, think of the muscle memory you start to develop. Think of what that seed is going to become as it begins to grow. We need to allow these things to take time. See you don't get a vision of God and what God wants to do by going to a conference, or even coming to a a church service or a Bible study. You might get ideas, something might spark, but you really hear from God when you spend time with God. That's how it works. If I shared something that you thought was amazing, you might think, wow, that's amazing but you'll leave here and it will do nothing even if it was amazing. But when something actually is interacting with you and you have the focus and it starts to develop you, when it's like a seed that has to germinate, has to pull in the nutrients to grow, then it begins to change you. And if anything, what I want to do is not impress you with some powerful dynamic message. I want to. I want to make you thirsty for the things that you really long for. I, I want you to to ask God. I want you to to speak to the earth. I want you to hear from God. I want you to see reaction. I want you to leave this room thinking, I think God wants to speak to me and I think I need to spend some time. I want to encourage you in the dynamic of that relationship because I can't do that for you. I can only encourage you in it. God has so much that he wants to speak to us, but we don't take the time to listen. we don't allow the seed to be buried. We're always pulling it up and saying, is it, is it growing yet? No, not yet. Bury it again. Is it growing up? No, not yet. Man, it's been a day. See, and I think that's going to be the case with this building. I mean, we're, we're praying for 40 days and it could go for months. Are we going to get detoured? I know it's that way in your life. I know it's that way with your children. Any of you pray for your children once and that was good? Man. Once a minute, sometimes, you know, I'm just praying, God, don't let me kill them. (laughs) It, It takes that time to grow and develop. It's going to take some time and it's through prayer that we connect with God who reveals himself in everything and reveals himself to us. I want to take a little bit of time and I want to lead you in a prayer in something that I hope will be helpful to you. Maybe when you pray, you're like, I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray. I start getting bored. You know, I stop asking for things. And so I want to take you through something that I hope will be helpful that you can use. I've shared with you guys before that, posture is important when you pray that there's something that changes when you fall on your knees when i had a person talk to me about jesus and wanted to pray with me for the first time i said sure i'm okay but when he got on his knees i was like whoa this is real this is serious it made an impact on me so sometimes getting on your knees and changing your posture changes your attitude and so i want you to close your eyes with me and i want you to just lead you in a prayer and I want you to sit up. You know, it's hard to empty your thoughts. Once I say stop thinking, you start thinking of all the things you should stop thinking about. But I want you to sit up and I want you to take a deep breath in. Then I want you to exhale longer than you just inhale, just exhale. And again, each breath in, you are breathing in the life that God gives you. And when you exhale, you are returning that life to God and to the world that we live in. And sometimes even just taking the time to think about that way of breathing helps to focus us. Now I want you to also put your palms up in your lap. Just sit with your palms up. And for a few seconds, let's say at least 20 seconds. I want you to start thinking of all the things that are filling up your life that are worrying you. I want you to put those things in your hand, the concern for your loved ones, your health, your job, finances, all those things that are a burden to you. I want you to to see those things filling up in your hands. Just feel the weight of those things in your life. And you might have to spend a while in this posture if you've got a lot going on. I want you to put everything that is causing a burden in your life and worry, concern, into your hands. Now I want you to turn your hands face down. And I want you to let go of all those things. Jesus said that we are to cast our cares on Him because He cares for us. And You're taking all those burdens and you're letting them go. You're dropping them. You're giving them up to the God who cares for you. Now you're going to turn your hands up again. They are empty to receive all that God has for you. They are empty to be filled with the beauty that God wants to make in your life. And let God minister to your hearts those things that He wants to fill in these hands. Lord, I pray for us as people and as a community, that we would speak to the earth, that we would listen to creation, that we would hear your voice, that we would look at the birds that don't go around harvesting and planting crops, but you feed them. You're going to care for us, that we'd look at the, the flowers, Lord, they're beautiful. And they just are, because they are what you created, and we would understand Lord, we would see all around us that it would speak to our souls that You are our God, that You care for us. And if we ask for bread, You will not give us a stone. Lord, that You will fill us with the things that are good, that You will supply the needs that are there, that You will show us, Lord, the mystery and how everything can glorify You from the ocean to the mountains to the painter, to us, Here we are, Lord, use us, Lord, yes, Jesus. Let's stand together and sing this. Song. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings.